0: We go, we move, and we trust ourselves so much more than we did 10 years ago. And some of that has spun out of failure. Like we have failed. You know, we talk about this all the time that everybody talks about the beginning and end, but nobody talks about the in between.
1: The most common cause of bad customer experience isn't that high tech, it's embarrassingly simple. Yep, it's answering questions. In e-commerce, it's really easy to get bogged down with common questions, whether that's where's my package, how do I return or exchange this item, or just to cancel a subscription. SolvePath is an AI-driven customer support system that enhances the customer experience with visual formats and self-serve technology to empower your customers to handle their own support requests. Get the best customer support system for your business, Get GetSolvePath. Get started by visiting GetSolvePath.com. You're now listening to FinTech Confidential, bringing you the people, tech, and companies that change how you pay and get paid. Be sure to subscribe to FinTech Confidential on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player by going to podcast.fintechconfidential.com and sign up for FinTech Confidential information at access.fintechconfidential.com. Jody and Kim, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to learn more about how ePayments is enhancing the buyer's journey with fintech. Thanks so much for having us. So, I always jump in because, you know, I've learned after being in fintech for well over 20 years that no one goes into fintech really Really on purpose. So I like to kick off the show by talking about our falling into FinTech journey, our story. Like, how did you get introduced to FinTech? And what was the thing that got you hooked that you just didn't leave?
0: We kind of tease that we've grown up in payment. So I started in payments uh, at, right out of college, pretty much. And then worked for a lot of the tier one acquirers. And I, I don't think we all go into this thinking it's going to be our lifelong desire, but you do become passionate about the payment space and the fintech space and new technology. And I think we've always been really forward thinking and wanting to be involved in new technology, almost 30 year journey now. Love it. And uh I always look forward to what's coming new. I mean, it's a really exciting time to be in this space because things are changing daily.
1: When you start talking about the, the overarching thing that, that kept you in in the fintech space? Is it that it always stayed the same? Is it that, that it was always just being changed a little bit, or was it something completely different?
0: No, I think it was that it was always changing. So just because of my background and the various things I did in my career, I got a little taste of all different types of um of uh, business and it grew throughout my career. And then my last corporate stint, we were involved with a company out of Brazil and that just really got us excited on how we could change the way we looked at doing business and uh, kind of birth the payments.
1: Kim, I'm, I'm assuming your story is very similar, but probably a little bit of extra twists and turns in there. How about you share your side of it?
2: Thank you, Ted. What I think is so funny, I did share with you, I, I was laughing about this the other day because people always crack up when they hear that they, we were calling them internet accounts. Jody and I both started in payments at payment tech that wasn't even JP Morgan Chase. And we used to have to drive down to an office and we had a dial up desktop, if you remember those things. And at the time, I was coming out of being in the furniture industry and I was trying to build a website for my company. And it was still scanning line drawings, but you still had to call someone. And when I heard internet accounts were coming, I thought that was the stupidest thing I'd ever heard. They weren't even calling it <laughs> e-commerce. So to see that evolution to what we have now and just the different platforms and the way people are conducting business, it's what where you're able to bring the creativity to the job. When people think of FinTech, If you haven't been in it for a while, I think that you imagine that it's just crunching numbers, and it's not that at all. It's really, we get to be involved in the creative aspects of startups to enterprise companies, and I just love it.
1: So that's something very interesting that you've brought up, Kim, is a lot of products and services in fintech seem to be a solution looking for a problem. How did you decide on what e-payments was going to be and how it was going to be different than the organizations of your past.
2: When we were traveling around together at our previous company, Jody ran the partner channel and I was in national sales. So we were really working together, bringing our stripes. And in the very beginning, we did want to just be all things to all people because we realized that these were our relationships and you know, there's a lot of pressure on someone in an enterprise company to bring a solution to the table these days because it doesn't just have to do with, oh, we're going to increase your bottom line over here. The technology has to work. And so I think where we're a little bit different is that we take the relationship that we have very serious. And so we'll look at it and almost come from a consultative approach as opposed to, hey, one size fits all and here's the solution in a box that's gonna work for everybody because I've never known that to be the case.
1: What are the things that comes to mind as how you've approached e payments and, and learned from the, the experiences of the past?
0: You know, I was blessed in my career path to have a lot of different experiences. And I think when we just started to formulate what e payments was going to be, we wanted to be all things to all people. And we quickly learned that was not the strategy to, to go about it. But it, it did bring a different perspective. Um, feel to our company because in corporate America, you're kind of boxed into the solution that you're, you're selling. And one thing we're able to do is take a ton of different solutions and bring them together and find what's best for the customer or the client so that we can really customize and, um, make the best solution for that client. And then as Kim said, relationships, like everything is about relationships. I think both of us have been like master networkers since the very beginning and having those relationships and then being forward thinkers and being able to take, you know, a solution and really look at it from all different angles and not being locked into one way to to solve the problem and really looking for a true solution, not just what you have to offer. If we don't have it, we can go find it or we can go build it.
1: So that actually brings me into the next question. What technologies are you seeing that are starting to lose a bit of traction in the marketplace? And what are showing promise for your customer base?
0: The first thing that comes to mind, I think, you know, coming up in the business, everybody wanted to be associated with their bank. You know, that was the powerhouse. And now we're seeing that shift in people are looking for um, the best person for the, the, the job. You know, they're looking for that relationship, that handholding, um, that coming in, having all those years of experience to solve the problem. And it's kind of lost traction that you have to be with the big bank, um, because as we all know, all roads lead back to the same places, right? And then the changing in technology, you know, it's exciting what's happening with crypto and blockchain and um, NFTs and all the fun things that we're seeing evolve out of our ordinary business and the traditional way of doing business is, is not there anymore. Well, it is, but it's changing. The looks are definitely changing
1: it is definitely changing quickly one of the key things that I've spent been spending a ton of time on and I would love to get get both you and Kim's perspective on it is really how companies are navigating this intersection of, CeFi and DeFi. And for those out there that are listening or watching, uh, when I say ce- CeFi, that's centralized finance. So think like the banks that Jody was just talking about and, and the big companies that control a lot of the movement of everything. And then you get into the DeFi, which is the decentralized finance, like blockchain, and you're hearing it called Web3, and that encompasses crypto and NFTs and all the fun stuff, Jody, that you just mentioned. I maybe skipping ahead before Kim has a chance, but like, I would like to understand how, like, how you guys are navigating that intersection between those two.
0: Honestly, Ted, I feel like we fell into it. You know, we uh, have been working with a lot of developers and so we kind of fell into it, you know, early on. We partnered up with Dash many years ago to do some projects mm-hmm. and just kind of it's flowed that way. And now even seeing that our existing base and our clients coming to us with all these crazy ideas. Well, they're not crazy. They're actually super cool ideas and um, just flipping what we knew as traditional on its head. It's super exciting. And um, yeah, I, I would, I would love to say something else that we just kind of, uh, it's where our paths led. So I I feel like we were early adopters into it. And so it's just kind of attracted that base.
1: Dash is actually here in my backyard here in the Phoenix area. I'm happy to hear that that you've had a chance to work with them. And I've had the opportunity to work with a number of startups that have leveraged the Dash platform and have actually gotten a couple of their grants. So totally understand how how beneficial it can be to, to partner up with somebody like that. Kim, what are your thoughts? How are you feeling about all this stuff? You're used to working with large national corporate accounts and the enterprise level. How is this change impacting the conversations that you've been having or have had over over the last couple of years?
2: We do a lot in sports, and a lot of these teams are feeling like they're being left behind because they don't quite understand the new platforms, because everything's happening so fast. And part of our job is to, I feel at least, bring them back to, well, what do you really hope to accomplish in this? Because everybody wants to use an NFT, but do you want to use an NFT of the digital art, you know, or do you want to use it as a utility token? Like, what are you trying to do? And it makes the clients have to go back and go, well, what am I really trying to accomplish here? Because once again, I hate to hammer this point home, but it's different for everybody. And I think people calm down a little bit when they understand, well, what's going to work for your platform? What type of business is it that you're trying to do? Because again, one size doesn't fit all. So I think that it's just really interesting to take a step back and it's exciting and everybody wants to offer. Do you want to offer crypto as a form of payment? Or do you need a trading platform? It's just different every time. And if you can kind of calm down, because in the beginning, I felt like things were happening so fast and now I'm okay because I've been in the business so long that I realized I don't know everything, but guess what? I know where to go to get the answers. And I know the experts in each field and I, you can't be all things to all people. You have to know where to go get the answers and say, hey, we'll help you get where you need to need to be, but let's get back on the GPS and let's figure out a direct route because we might have to reroute a couple times. Um, at this point, we say we're the queen of pivoting because that's what you have to do, right?
1: <laughs> no, that is awesome. It's interesting you bring it up the way that you did because a couple episodes ago... I had Mark Thomas from Zen Sports on and we had a nice conversation about why they decided to do their own token versus using an existing token in the market and the difference between the multiple types of tokens that they have. And then at the same time, he was launching Sports Topio, a metaverse project um, with NFTs and a whole bunch of different things that are really surrounded around the community. So it's interesting to hear how others are thinking about it outside of the sports book and the gaming side of the house and and really just seeing how that that is expanding outside of that sphere where everybody's so used to the esports and and all of the technology plays really focusing in on it and it just it sounds like you guys are starting to see that expand outside of, of the atypical marketplace like that.
2: We are, like you would never think a pizza place would say, we want our own NFT, but they do.
1: (laughs) Give us an example of what was the driving force for for them to want an NFT? Was it FOMO? Was it, they had a really cool idea? What, What was like the driving force for a company like a pizza place to want an NFT?
2: They're looking at new ways of marketing. They're looking at new ways of bringing value. And so if they can use it almost as a loyalty platform as well, if they can use it to just make their brand stand out, it might be a very small project, but they have an NFT. And you know what, if you're a 16-year-old kid and it's your favorite pizza place, you might want to share and show everybody that you have that NFT. And we might not be able to understand it, but these kids coming up, I have teenagers right now, and oh my Lord, they don't look at the world the same way that I do. That's for sure.
0: To expand on to that too like our whole world has changed with the pandemic and the way that we do business and everybody's having to look to be more creative and and get people back into their establishment you know whether it's a restaurant a sports team whoever, everybody's looking to earn that business back because people have been staying home. And so this gets them another way to create a VIP experience to, you know, market, to attract a loyal customer on um, in like in a sports arena, different sponsors together to work together, to create an experience because that is what is attracting people to come back is the experience. So this is, you know, a way to do it. And you're right. It's, it's, it's blowing up into much more than just a traditional NFT. Now you're looking at AR VR technology and bringing that mm-hmm. into place in the metaverse. So it's, it's really exciting. Um, and it's a great place to be right now.
1: As we look at, all these options and all these different directions. And like yourself, the thing that's kept me in fintech is the fact that it's ever evolving, I almost go to the point of it's no longer evolving. It's become more of a revolution than an evolution type scenario, at least over the last three years since the pandemic happened, it accelerated everything by so much. But one of the things that that seems to have just, gone crazy haywire is that businesses have started to confuse activity for productivity and they aren't getting the results that they're hoping for. And I know that that's one of the key focuses that you guys have at ePayments is, is really, really helping that activity produce results. And I would
0: love to understand
1: how are you doing that or what's the thought process behind that?
0: One great example is the QR technology. We, for years and years, wanted people to embrace the QR technology and it just did not get the adoption. And now through things like a shortage of workers, you've had to look for a different way to do business and a way to do business more efficiently. And that's one example I can think of right off the top of my head is just, we've had to embrace different technologies and make them be productive because you're working with less assets than you've had in the past.
1: Kim, your thoughts on using activity to produce results versus just doing it to do it, I guess.
2: So we work with a really interesting AI platform. And once again, back to the pandemic, it's very hard bringing people back to work. And so they are deploying virtual assistants. And so you've got a gap between the younger generation that is fine putting their financial information in a phone, and working with a chat bot because they don't want to talk to anybody. Whereas you have my parents (laughs) that still want to talk to someone and they are not going to just put their financial information into a technology, not knowing if it's a real person there. You can use recaps, some of these different technologies, but it's funny because But then the younger generation, they don't care. They want to get it done quickly. They don't want to look up from their phone to have to go do something. They don't want to talk to anybody. So seeing that and seeing what is coming in to fill the gaps is very interesting.
1: You bring something up that, and I was just, I was reading a book this weekend that described it as the millennial generation and younger are true digital natives. They don't know what it's like to not have the internet. Mm -hmm. They don't know what it's like to not have most of their life be self-serve. And then you have the generations prior to that, which were called um, digital immigrants, uh, which I thought was quite interesting because really they've gone from a experience that was all very tactile, very person to person, very face-to-face real time in real life type face-to-face type scenarios that are now finding out, especially with the pandemic, like what we just talked about, that you can't always have that face-to-face interaction and that you have to immigrate over to the digital lands in order to really figure out how to keep moving forward. And, and, not be left behind. The other piece that that really comes to mind for me on that one, and I would love to get both of your perspectives, is does that open up some underserved markets, maybe from a regulatory perspective that you're capitalizing on, or maybe even just from a solutions perspective that that have really come to light that maybe because of, had the pandemic not happened, that you wouldn't even thought twice about.
2: Interesting. Um, Well, I'll take that one back to the AI for a minute because they're trying to serve across so many different generations. And so where I might not want to go in, for instance, in an in vitro fertilization clinic and type in when they're talking about all the different procedures, but they've put allowed now videos. So there's different things where if you don't understand what a certain procedure is, instead of getting someone on the phone and being slow, you can go, you can watch that video before you make a decision. You could say, okay, what am I really talking about here to get people more evolved into, is this the right appointment for? I mean, this is talking back to appointment setting 101, but if they're making (laughs) bringing value to you where you have to pay to actually go in and then sit down with the doctor, at least at that point, they're making you do your own homework to realize, okay, I'm not just putting in here with a chat on. I'm going to go back. I can watch the videos. I can truly understand what I want. So I think it's helping people define their own journey.
1: No, that's fantastic. Jody.
0: I
2: but
1: but, but <laughs> I, I can I can see the wheels spinning, so I'm, I'm <laughs> excited. To, I'm excited to hear what what you were yeah. thinking about there.
0: I'm just thinking about it in both ways. Like I have seen it, you know, in traditional markets where you're seeing them embrace technology, like even a eye clinic with kiosks and different things that you just never would uh-huh. see happen are happening. You know, but then on the flip side, you're also seeing. Technology not being the important thing, it's going back to that VIP experience, you know, the relationship. Though so you're seeing it, it, it's kind of bipolar, you're seeing it go in both directions. You're seeing you know, <laughs> yeah, technology sure. being embraced places you would never expect it to be embraced, and then you're seeing old school. Like, oh, wow, Uh, you know, smile, a handshake, you know, a relationship is important again because people have missed that human touch, too. So it's pretty, pretty interesting.
1: (laughs) So uh, I'm going to just I'm going to spin back here real quick. Are there markets that you see as underserved? that that you're really really helping maybe not in the traditional payment acceptance space but really helping them move forward and and gain generalized acceptance with fintech
0: We're definitely seeing different ways to embrace things in markets that haven't been embraced before. You know, we're working on some interesting projects around payouts and the barrier of entry that we've seen just sending money to other countries and and using crypto or something like that to do it. So just embracing those technologies in a different way, too.
1: So I'm gonna drop a small hint. I've been trying to get you to talk about cannabis like four times. So, oh, no.
2: um, <laughs> oh, I didn't even know where you were going with that. Jobs in rock and roll. because
1: well, because because we all know that like the, the cannabis businesses are legal on the state level, right? And and. Although they're legal to state level, they have all of this extra work that they have to do. They're still a very cash-heavy organization. And a lot of times they have nowhere to put the cash, right? And I had the opportunity to speak on a panel with Sunday um a couple years ago, and we really got in diving into the cannabis banking and all the rules and the regulations. And I've had the opportunity to really help a lot of businesses as it opens up in the recreational space across the country. And I noticed in some of the, the things that I did in my research that you guys are starting to play a little bit in that space, and I'm just kind of I was trying to like nudge in that <laughs> direction. I didn't do a very good job, but
2: let's talk. I'll,
0: I'll, I'll start that off and we can, you can together. Uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> well, then we can get to the rock and roll after that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yes. Maybe leave the sex out, but it's sex like drums and drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
1: Oh, you're trying to get me in trouble, Jody.
0: (laughs) Uh, I think we, uh, for some reason, when we first came into our company, we played a lot in the high risk space. And um, we do have an investor that actually is in the insurance space. He owns an insurance carrier and some boutique insurance companies. And he was the first to bring property and workman's comp to the cannabis space. So Kim and I kind of fell into cannabis right from the beginning, looking for a solution that is, as you know, completely cash driven. Um, And that has been a a change in mindset, too. And uh, we had to look for a solution not only for traditional banking because they needed a place to put the money, but they needed a way Mm -hmm. to accept payments that wasn't just uh, taking cash so that led into crypto and some interesting solutions that we have kind of embraced that space uh, since almost day one so we've been in the cannabis space that just even seeing that evolve and even taking into some of the things that we've been talking about nfts and crypto were all coming into play and in that space as well. And um, not only from a security measure, cause you've got to get that that cash out of the store to um, looking yeah. for new innovative ways to to be in the space.
2: Yeah, it's fun. Well, and and I think that everyone's trying to offer them, this is at least has been one of the taglines that offer them the traditional business services that everyone else has access to. So we still find them dealing with compliance, yet at the end of the day, they still want their ERP or their CRM Mm -hmm. or a point of sale to tie into a terminal and a certain functionality. So it comes back to the basics for every business. And so that's been a challenge um, trying to fight for these clients of ours to get them a solution that's going to really help them when in that industry, if we think everything's changing in fintech, like something we could talk about today, by the time we publish this, everything could change with it. The rails might be different. There might be a new functionality. And with these guys, it's you're still dealing with the regulation. So it isn't just does yeah. the technology work? It's like, well, it, it does and it can, but... Are you in a state where it's truly compliant? Is it medicinal? Is it wreck? There's so many different guidelines and navigating those waters, I think it's been difficult for everybody.
1: That it has, I, the many, many conversations. And it, what's funny is you guys mentioned the insurance and workman's comp and all that stuff on the side of the house. Right. And I've had the opportunity to work with the payroll side of the house, which is just as complicated right. when you're trying to manage all the staff and you're trying to make sure that the cash gets converted. And oh my goodness, it is it is quite interesting in that space. I want to kind of just open it up because we've, we've talked about a lot of stuff and some of it I didn't expect to. So, um, yeah. but it's, it's all it's all good. It's all good. But is there anything that, that we haven't talked about that you're like, Ted, I really want to make sure that the people watching and listening really know this about us, about the company, about the technology that maybe I haven't touched on?
0: We have a few things that come to mind. I <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, the elephant in the room that we are a female ran fintech, which is pretty original in the space. It's still a very male dominated space. So the fact that we are completely female run, it makes us unique. And then um I also think, you know. We've structured e-payments a little, little differently in the sense that we view it as a platform, a platform to make change in the world. And we're trying to do good with this platform, not just in the traditional sense, but seeing where we can help and, and make a change, if it's from being a good shepherd to an employee or to changing people's lives in the way that they're compensated and kind of having that family approach towards business that we're trying to change lives person by person. So I think that is one thing that makes us unique in the marketplace.
2: We want to empower people. And now that I'm a little bit older, I can say that I used to think that I had to know everything. And I know a lot of people will be paralyzed when they feel that, oh, this is too much information for me to know. And what we like to tell people is, even being in the business as more as we have, We don't know everything because of the fast pace that everything is changing. And so we want to empower people that you don't have to know everything. You just put a good team in place and we're women. So we'll nurture you. (laughs) We'll get it done. But we want love to see because I think when everybody succeeds and wins, then it's such a good feeling and you radiate that and then you're going to go out and help someone else. And so it is kind of the pay it forward thing. Another thing that we've been doing is when somebody needs an idea to keep moving forward, we're tying in the charity aspect to it. We're tying into, hey, if you think this is a mundane business but you've got to get certain things done, well, what would excite would it be you about this? Would it be to add a new product? Would it be to give a percentage if we made a donation on your behalf or tie, you know, tie just creative aspects into the traditional business realm. And so I think that that's where we're having a lot of fun now.
1: That is awesome. I love the idea of of bringing that purpose-driven focus and then enabling that creativity to really bring things forward and, and into the marketplace. That is definitely a unique perspective. I've spoken to so many women founders of companies. So I didn't even think twice about about it being a, a women-led company, but you're right. It is a very male-dominated culture. And definitely, I, I applaud both of you for for diving into an environment that is as such. The company has a podcast called The Number One Thing. What is the number one thing that has helped you in your business from having that as part of your experience?
0: It's been instrumental in, in for me personally, I'm like, it, it was really a stretch outside of what I was comfortable with. And, and it goes back to that lesson to step out in fear and you'll be blessed, you know, and just hearing everybody's stories. So the one thing is, you know, we're asking people, advice for other, you know, business owners, other people out there from every walk of life, from a musician to an athlete, to a business owner. And, and just everybody's journey is the same in some regards, but so different and that Mm -hmm. we're much more alike than we are different. And knowing what we've went through over these past seven years is so normal too. Like everybody had that, that same struggle to get to where they're going and that sense of community. So it's been so valuable.
1: Has it given you any insights into your business specifically, other than the general pieces? It like something you're like, I'm going to change the way that I'm doing this in the company because of something that I heard or something that was said versus I understand the community piece of it, but I'm looking for like that, that thing that made you take action that you heard.
2: Well, for me personally, what it made me realize is that I can't separate work from my personal life in a sense. It needs to be, you have to have passion and it needs to be something that you love doing because your work life becomes your family when you're running your own company. All founders, the thing that keeps them going is their why, which is usually their families. You know, it's and then it's the community like Jody and I, for instance, being business partners, we work on our relationship like it's a second marriage in a sense, (laughs) because, you know, you want to be happy. You want to be fulfilled. People aren't doing those things, but we're raking in the dollars, you know, because we're just offering every solution out there. We're all over the place. It's like that's not what makes you feel good at the end of the day. There was a quote I just read recently from um, Jim Carrey that said, I wish that everybody would have every dream come true and make all the money they ever wanted to make to realize that's not the answer. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I think that if we can bring it back to the process, the day to day, you're never going to hit that destination and there's room at the plateau for everybody. So it's that you have to be happy in the process or why are you doing it?
0: That is the reason we created the one thing, you know, it was such a dark place in in our world at that time that we wanted to bring something inspiring out to the world. I think the other thing it taught me is not to be afraid. I know Kim made reference that we call ourselves the Queens of Pivoting, but not being afraid of that pivot too. Like we have had to pivot so much and not be afraid of failure. You know, there's probably projects that we wanted to roll out that we had a little fear in in doing. And now I feel like we walk out greater and we're not afraid if we fall off that ledge, we'll be okay.
1: You'd mentioned that you've, you've had to pivot a number of times and you had mentioned that it took courage, I'm using different words, but you, you mentioned it took courage and strength to make that that happen. How certain were you that was the right pivot? How did you you two come together and go, "Yep, this is what we have to do"? Or was it one of those, you know, hold on for dear life and 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 pray pray for the best?
0: I think it, it, what what comes with age is being able to trust your gut. And your intuition, you know, especially as a female, I think we have a little kind of superpower in intuition and and we have learned to like have that conversation. What do you really feel in your gut, Kim? And we have, we talk it through. And if we both feel in our gut that that's the right move, we go, we move and we trust ourselves so much more than we did 10 years ago. And some of that has spun out of failure. Like we have failed. You know, we talk about this all the time that everybody talks about the beginning and end, but nobody talks about the in-between. And I'm like, the messy middle. The messy middle. Oh, my God, have we failed. (laughs) But out of every failure has burst something beautiful. So, yeah.
2: (laughs) And being able to say, what have we learned from this? Okay, so this didn't work out quite the way we thought. What have we learned?
1: (laughs) If you were to take one of those items in that messy middle and you said, this is the thing, this right here, Ted, I'm handing to you, this is the thing that I learned the most from, what would that be? And why did you learn so much from it?
0: You know, I, I think the thing that pops out in my mind is we went back to what we were good at, you know, what made us for the last 20 plus years successful, it went back to what made us successful and and then worked out from that and built the passion piece into it. And what was the bigger picture of why we get up every morning and why you work crazy hours and have no life, you know, and, and what are you really trying to accomplish? And so we went back to what felt good, what came natural and, and built off mm-hmm. that.
2: We always joke, one of our mentors used to say, keep on trucking. Keep on trucking. (laughs) So just keep moving forward. You can't sit and say like, oh, I missed those past seven free throws, but I got to make the eighth one. thinking about why you didn't make it. You just have to move forward.
1: Ladies, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out today and I know I went on a whole bunch of different tangents. Uh, I really appreciate the insight in into the way that you guys do business, the way that you think about business, how you approach things. Um, and it definitely is unique to many people that I've talked to. So I really appreciate you hopping on. Um, I would love for you to share like the best way to find out more about e-payments and, and what we can do to help you drive your mission forward.
0: The best way to find us is at social media, our website, you know, um, our podcast, The One Thing, uh, Those are the normal channels you would see. I
1: will make sure that those are in the show notes, also in the descriptions and all that fun stuff. So everyone will be able to get to your social, the podcast, the website, all that fun stuff. How can they help you move your mission forward?
0: I would say a fresh approach to payments. That is our tagline. And if you want to have a different experience and you want to be a part of something larger than just... um how the flow of your, your traditional business works, I think we're the, the right solution. And, um, we always tease if, if it's something difficult, bring it to us. Cause that's what we love to get in there where it's messy and, and make it
2: flow. Fantastic.
0: And we usually will
2: ask clients for a wish list, you know, What do you want to see happen? We'll try and knock off as many of those items, but what's going to make you happy and how do you need this to function and give us your wish list and we'll go see what we can make happen with that.
1: That is awesome. You're making dreams come true. Thank you so much for joining today. I really appreciate it. I look forward to seeing ePayments continue to grow and excited to see what is the next big thing that you all decide to do.
0: Sure. Thank you, Ted. thank you, Ted. Thank you for having us.
1: Be sure to subscribe to FinTech Confidential on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player by going to podcast.fintechconfidential. Our show notes in each episode are available at www.fintechconfidential.com and you can get FinTech Confidential information by signing up at access.fintechconfidential.com. If you want to be a guest on FinTech Confidential, submit your application at guest.fintechconfidential.com. FinTech Confidential, bringing you the people, tech, and companies to change how you pay and get paid.